Welcome everybody to our first first episode of the Renew Minds podcast entitled The Happy Hour, where we talk up to an hour. We don't be here for an hour. Sometimes we hear less than that. But um, thank you for tuning in. I'm excited. We have many, many episodes and many topics to talk about. Um, like I said, we're going to be interviewing pastors, church leadership, mental health professionals, Christian mental health professionals, let me correct myself. So I'm excited. Um, today we're starting episode one, which is entitled, What is the Church? Friend and Brother in Christ with me today, Mr. Ronnie. He's going to introduce yourself and then after we, after we hear who he is, then we're going to jump right into the conversation. So. Right ahead. Well, good afternoon, Luana. Thanks for having me and the work you're doing in the community. Again, I'm Ronnie Perry, I'm the the church planner and, and lead pastor of New Song Church in West Palm. Um, we were meeting at Northborough Elementary School before the pandemic, and uh, we'll probably resume at another um, location once uh, the pandemic ends. But I'm a native of here of, of, of West Palm slash Lake Worth. Uh, ordained in a denomination called the Presbyterian Church in America, a very conservative denomination. Um, uh, started at FAMU as a business major, then graduated from PBA with a BA in, in Bible and, and cross-cultural and urban studies. Uh, went to Knox Theological Seminary in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and I've served in churches in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, Durham, North Carolina, and now back here in West Palm. And uh, I, I I'm ordained in the PCA, which is a majority white denomination, but grew up in uh, the black church, mostly National Baptist Convention or, or non-denominational charismatic. So it's good to be here today. Thank you, Ronnie. Okay, y'all, y'all hear Ronnie's a rattler. So that's good to know. Um, well, thank you, Ronnie. You got a, a long resume. You've done some, some you like uh Studying in Tennessee, was it cool? Was it? Yeah, well, I was working in Tennessee, but it, it was nice. Uh, Chattanooga's a big outdoor city, so different. Yeah. Here we're flat and had beaches there. Chattanooga's basically a valley surrounded by mountains. Mm -hmm. So you had mountains, you could see the pollen in the air. I had to start taking allergy medicine, but wow. it was a good experience. It was working at a diverse church, a church mm -hmm. that had two locations, probably about 60% white, 40% black and Latino. Mm -hmm. um, and, and did a lot of community development. So we had four nonprofits operating out of the church from uh, a community development nonprofit called Hope in the Inner City uh, that did everything from job training to uh, business incubation. Um, we, we had a, 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 a healthcare ministry nonprofit that provided free healthcare for uh, non-documented um, immigrants as well as lower income families called Life Spring Help. We had a, something called Chattanooga Sports Ministry, which was a summer outreach focusing on middle school kids where we use soccer to also disciple them um, and, and, and teach them about how to be young men and women of God. It started off with just girls and we added boys during my time there. And um, we would have college students pay them as interns to mentor uh, the middle school age students and then pay the high school students a little less to be the assistant coaches. And so, um, and then we had a organization called R3I. We did a lot of missions through there, disaster response. So um, in 2010, during the earthquake in Haiti, we were able to send 12 gang members to Haiti for three months to work wow, on. Wow, gang members? Uh, yeah, yeah. So in our the neighborhood we were in Chattanooga, uh, 
was, um, you know, you have Chicago and the LA gangs and they kind of have alliance. And so it was Crip on the LA gang in our neighborhood, mostly Crip and then Chicago, mostly gangster disciples. And some of them guys wanted to change their life and to go to Haiti and see a poverty that's even more um, severe than, than US poverty and to be able to help out. The um, organization actually donated temporary housing after the earthquake that can be converted into permanent housing eventually. And they went over there for three months and built that. And um, they learned some construction skills. They got to feel good helping. And what happened is we were able to pay them. And so we put uh, the payment for their work in the IDA account that after the three months were over, they came back. They had a few grand from their pay in the IDA account that they could use towards business or education as well as some of their personal needs. So uh, it was a church very involved. We did a summer camp. I lived in a, in a house the church owned in between two housing projects. So, so it, was a, it was a unique experience. Nice. Well, one thing I kept hearing you say a little bit was church. Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what we're talking about today. Roddy, tell us a little bit or just kind of tell us what is the church or who is the church or I've heard so many people say the church is the building they go to. Some people say the church is the people. So can you, as a pastor, kind of educate us on what is the church or who is the church? Yeah, I mean, I think the very simple answer is the church is the people of God that are on earth representing uh, the presence and activity of God in work at any given time. There, biblically, that's time that was the family of Abraham in particular, then the nation of Israel, and now obviously the New Testament church, those who believe by faith. So it's a sense you could say the church is a family, the church is a, a, a race. He mm. says you are a chosen generation, uh, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And so mm. the church is the, the visible representation of the people of God. Um, and, and, and churches own buildings, churches consist of people, um, churches are organizations to a certain extent. You have to file your non-profit status, but the church are, uh, is, is the people of God where we should be able to look on earth and see where God is at work, to see what it looks like to have people gather together shaped by the truth of God and his kingdom. And so that's what the church should be. And, and we have the visible church, and then we have the invisible church, we believe. So um, if someone wants to join my church, all I can do is listen to their profession of faith. Uh -huh. And but I don't save them. I don't. I can't ultimately determine if they're saved or not saved. I just go by their profession of faith. But only right. God knows who are truly to save. This could be someone walking on the street right now, who uh -huh. at this moment isn't professing Jesus, but in time may come to Christ. And they're the invisible church, though they don't know it yet. So and, and uh -huh. vice versa. So so yeah. So I think the churches where we should look for where we see where God is at work and not perfect, but broken people and that work and that identity transcends national identity, ethnic, racial identity, um, gender, et cetera, so. Yeah, now, if you can explain a little bit, what's the difference between the visible church and the invisible church? I heard you. Well, well, I mean, just the visible church is that what we know as a church, people who profess to be Christians, okay. who profess to be members, uh, if it's a church, they do membership of a particular church, the invisible church is, really ultimately only known to Christ and God, those are the truly saved. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we don't know 
exactly who's going to make it in or not. You know, I think right. um, when, in glory, you know, it's going to be some people there that we we didn't think would be there and there may not be some people there that we thought would be there. So, right. so the invisible church, only God determines. I've heard a lot of people say that all, all, all people are God's children. And so mm-hmm. I know that God's children, you know, cons- God's children is the church. We are the church, the people, like you mm-hmm. said the physical representation when you say when you hear all people are god's children um does that mean that every religion is a part of the church or every religion is the church um well there's a sense of truth to all people are god's children as creator all of us are created by god and that's Mm -hmm. why as americans according to our constitution we believe every human being is born with certain inalienable rights among those life liberty in the, pers- in the pursuit of happiness. So as, as, as creator, all of us are children of God. There's nothing that exists in creation that wasn't spoken forth by God and, and, and our triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. So, but, but then when you talk about salvation, and you see in the Bible, the Bible starts with, in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And you see uh, John playing on that in the gospel. John goes back to the beginning and says, in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God, talking to Jesus. And in terms of recreation or new creation or salvation, uh, that's unique to the church. And so only those who believe in and trust in Christ as as their Lord and Savior are the children of God in salvation sense. And only religion which affirms the exclusivity of Jesus Christ as the way to God, as the way to the life and kingdom promises of God can be acknowledged as true religion, according to Christians. So mm-hmm. that would be the case. And so every religion, while it may have certain truth, all truth is God's truth. Science shows us some truth. So there's certain things we can learn from Eastern philosophy. There's something we can learn from sociology or stuff. But in terms of salvation, uh, Christ in the church is the exclusive way in Christianity. Uh, but, it's, but but Christianity is bigger than just a religion. Part of it is religious practices, reading the Bible, praying, being right. a part of a church. But but it's so much more than that. It's about being born into a new creation. Right. So, yeah. Where do you think people came up with this idea of the building being the church? Well, I think it's just natural. I mean, you know, organizations and stuff are identified by their buildings. And so typically, if you're going to go to worship, somewhere and nowadays is going to be at a location, whether it's a location a church owns, whether it's a facility they lease, or even a home. So we know when the church, the New Testament church started in Acts, they met in homes. And then they would gather at the temple when the temple was in Jerusalem was still erecting in the, in the days of Jesus in his incarnation, they would gather in the temple for prayer. But, but whenever we gather as a church, we have to gather somewhere, a building or a location, I mean, now with the pandemic, some people are worshiping in parking lots or at drive-in movie theaters right. or even on the internet. So uh, so definitely part of churches are buildings. And as Christianity became more dominant, you had the big cathedrals that we think of, the beautiful artistic church buildings. But in the early days, they couldn't worship publicly. There are places now even where, you know, you can't publicly worship. So believers have to worship underground and in secrecy, even in you know, the black church during slavery, mm-hmm. um, they would gather in secret sometime in the woods and, and worship because 
even if they had a Christian slave master, oftentimes the slave master would only allow to be preached, obey your masters. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't talk about the freedom uh, that we have in Christ because they were scared it would make blacks want their freedoms when they were enslaved here in America. And right. so literally uh, they, would, they would say, steal away. Some of us still sing that song. And that was to let them know at night when everyone sleep, they would go in the woods and sometimes put up sheets and stuff so that their voice weren't heard. And they would mm. worship God according to how they felt. Because one, Christianity was in slavery a thousand years before the transatlantic slave trade. So some, not all, maybe not even majority, some of those African slaves that came over here already were Christian. And we know many, including the Yoruba, were monotheistic. So mm. though they believed in many principalities and powers, they believed in one supreme God. So mm. yeah. Anyway, That's- sorry. No, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's something I'm sure we can, we can use. We can know this information, especially as I think about it. So let's, I mean, let me gather my thoughts here. So the church, you know, as we talk about the church, I've heard people say the church is the hospital or what have you. Why do you, if you believe that, tell me what's the thought behind the church supposed to be the hospital? Um. Well, I think one, most people say that metaphorically. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's, a, it's a metaphor. So I don't think it's literal. They're just saying, just like when you're sick uh, medically or physically, you go to the doctor. When right. you're sick in your soul, uh, you go to the church. I think it's the intended analogy. And then if you're from tr- traditions, obviously, that believe in or practice healing, then it, it may say you could go to God for healing. But uh, I think that's why they say it. But um the existence of the church and God's creation of the church doesn't exclude other institutions. So though God instituted the church, he also instituted government. Mm. Um, he instituted, you know, the, stu- uh, the study. So um, faith and science aren't mutually exclusive, um, but all truth is God's truth. But the, even certain science, we got to realize what the scientific mer- method is only theory. When you talk about creation, the Big Bang is a theory. It can't be proven absolutely. You know, the Big right. Bang, because none of us was there, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I'm sorry, but I don't know. But I think what they're talking about, there is a, a place for the church that, that is essential, obviously, for, for, for the holistic health mm-hmm. of the people of God. And actually, the first idea of what we now call the hospital was started by Christians. So, because mm-hmm. the sick needed to be taken care of, and at times, people just cast away the sick, and it was actually Christians who believe um, that, hey, we have to care for our sick, um, whether that's just to make their life as comfortable as we could with chronic illness or if they could be treated according to, you know, technology available at the time treating them. So, right. so, um, so yeah, it goes, so it, it goes hand in hand, but the concept of the modern history, uh, hospital was in the church and, you know, like we're going through a pandemic with uh, COVID-19 um, right. When the plague would come to cities, to the urban areas, the wealthy would leave the urban areas and go to the suburbs mm-hmm. because they had the means to do so. The poor couldn't leave. And many of the Christians who had the means to leave decided to stay and serve those who were sick when they could have left to it and, and escaped the safety. So, so yeah. So the church is a place for us to, 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 to tend to our deep spiritual issues, but it's not to the exclusion of of, of other medical or health practices, I would, I would say. I agree. Okay. Um, 
Now, being that the church is supposed to be like one body and, you know, a, a family, explain to me a little bit the purpose of so many denominations. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. It, obviously, it's usually over just differences. Um, with any group, um, you may interpret a holy book different or you may practice different. And so we have uh, denominations. And so I think in most religions have that to a certain degree, whether they acknowledge it or not. Um, and, but um, I think the main thing with whatever church you go to, it's a certain essential things you should believe about. You gotta believe in the triune God, Christ being both God and man, the mm -hmm. Bible as the word of God. But there are some non-essential things that are differences. And because of that, especially starting with the Protestant Reformation, we saw the rise of the different denominations. Now, some of that is just practical. I mean, again, and it's hard because in America, we have this diversity, but right. in other countries, it's not as much diversity. So they all speak the same language, but we have Americans or uh, may have people here who don't speak English. And, and it's going to be hard to go to a church if you don't understand the language. So they go to an ethnic church. Um, but, but, um, but yeah, I think some of it is just on little theological differences or emphasis. Um, um, and, and the main thing you just want to make sure is your church is consistent with the word of God and, 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 and basic Christian faith, like what they would call the apostles creed and, and such as just the basics of Christianity. But some people would like more emotive church. Some people like more intellectual, uh, mm -hmm. church. Some people, you know, some people want a worship style that's, that, 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 that's more physically even engaging. Uh, some people prefer more intellectual stimulation. So, so all those things bring about variety of church and there's good and bad to that, obviously. But, but I think there should be a brotherhood or kinhood across denominations, um, that believe in the essentials. So I, I, um, I, I fellowship with a lot of Baptist churches because on the essentials we agree and, and, and I think that's the main thing. So I don't know if I'm answering your questions. Yeah, I think, I, I think you did. Um, I mean, I'm just curious, like I said, just to know, you know, what's the purpose of, you know, different denominations, if we're all like the church, we're all one body, one baptism, things like that I see in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. um, another question is, I know that people say that Catholicism and Protestant is somewhat the same thing. And, and they would say, you know, Catholicism, or the Catholics would say they are the church as well. Would you... Mm -hmm. Would you say that they are the church or? Uh, a Roman Catholic? Um, well, you know, obviously when we say Protestant, Protestantism, they protested against the Roman Catholic church. And so starting with Martin Luther, you know, a, a German monk in, in the 16th century, they protested against the Catholic church and their belief in indulgences, their belief in not just the Bible, but tradition interprets God. And so, and so there are a, a lot of Protestant Protestant churches that I can acknowledge as the true church of God. Um, the R Roman Catholic Church as an institution, I don't believe to be a true church of God, but I do believe there are true Christians in, in the Roman Catholic Church who are trusting Jesus for their, uh, by faith alone and Jesus for their salvation. But I think as an institution, because they add to faith, I, I wouldn't acknowledge institution whole as a church, but I know many true believing Roman Catholics. So. Uh, yeah, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, and the, and the reason why I say that is because I've heard so many people, you know, 
you know, say that the, the, the Catholic church is, is well, the Catholic church is the church. And so I know that there's a difference between Protestant and Catholic Catholicism. So I wanted to make that mm-hmm. and, and just get, you know, as a pastor, your perspective on that. Yeah. And I mean, the kind of the big divisions is the Protestant, Roman Catholic, and then also the Greek Orthodox church. Uh, mm. which, which, but even before Protestantism, you had the great schism of the mm. 10th century and, and the Greek and, 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 and Roman church divided because, you know, churches became to be prominent even in Protestants by their city, you right. know, and Rome's the capital, uh, Antioch was a major city, Alexandria was the um, major city and historically the Roman capital was either Rome or Constantinople, Rome in the west, Constantinople which is present day Turkey to the east. And so they mm-hmm. divided kind of over those two main, those two main uh, cities. And so the Eastern church out of, out of Constantinople is different than the Roman Catholic church um, mm-hmm. out of Rome. So that's why we even say Roman Catholic, but as opposed to just Catholic, if we want to be precise. So, and then obviously Protestantism came out of that. And, and then also you have, which people forget the oldest existing church Mm-hmm. It's the Coptic Church in, in Ethiopia. So you, it goes back to the Ethiopian eunuch um, in Acts. Uh, mm-hmm. What's that? Acts and, 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 and Mark. A lot of people believe the Ethiopian, the Coptic Church, the Ethiopian Church was founded by the Ethiopian eunuch uh, and Mark, the writer of the Gospel of Mark. Um, a lot of people don't know Mark, the writer of the Gospel, was born in Africa and died in Africa. And, mm-hmm. um, scholar Thomas C. Oden, a big... Um, a Methodist scholar who just passed, he wrote a book on that about, he wrote two books, one on the African influence of Christianity, because mm-hmm. from the very early on, Africa spoke into Christianity, and he wrote another book on how Mark uh, was African and, and, and one of the founders of the Coptic Church, and that's the oldest church still in existence um, today, one of the few that existed during the time of the apostles and still exists today. Wow, like a uh, just a wealth of information that mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know have mm-hmm. of, of kind of that as it pertains to church. Now here's a question. Now you could tell I, me. You, go ahead. You was gonna say something. No, I was gonna say I, maybe at some point I will walk over to my bookshelf and show you the books. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh yeah. Throw that out so so our listeners can maybe take a look at those books and read them. You know, we definitely want to have some resources to check out. Um. Now there's a word help me not help me i know the word ecclesia kind yeah. of what that word means and where did that come from and i know yeah, so the church and... oh lord you're working me i'm thinking i'm talking about mental health and you got me uh <laughs> no. ecclesia, ecclesia is the the greek word that we translate church and in, in most of our english bible translations and it really means to called out ones and what will happen is specifically in the time of the greek city-states like athens and sparta um, um, when there came time to, to convene a council to make decisions to govern the city, they would call it ecclesia, those called out from among the common people mm. to represent um, as, as leaders the, the council, the decision makers of the city. And so that the connotation is as the church is the ones who are called out from among the common masses to represent uh, the interests of God and his kingdom, both to God and to represent God to the people and the people to God. So mm-hmm. you think about like how 
when Abraham was negotiating with God about Sodom and Egypt, and he's like, well, if there, if there are a hundred people, will you spare it? If there, you know, he basically works his way down to 10 and there weren't right. 10 righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah, according to the narrative. And, 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 you know, Abraham goes and rescues his nephew Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah. So, so that's that aspect of there's a representation of the church has of man to God and God to man. Oh, nice. Okay. Listen, Rodney, we, we got a whole bunch of series with mental health in the church, so we're going to have you back. <laughs> yeah. You know, another episode, but, you know, oh. definitely want it because we want to get clarity on the church. We want people to understand exactly what is the church yeah. and how they oh. function. Go ahead. No, I just think that's true. I think with church, we use a lot of terms that are common, but people don't really know what they mean. Yeah. And the same thing with mental health, as self-care and mental health uh, gets more popular, a lot of people use terms and don't understand what it means. I just read a book by a guy who has a PhD in theology and counseling on mm -hmm. narcissism and really looking at what narcissism is. Because sometimes we say, oh, they're selfish. They right. say narcissistic, but don't realize there's a, there's a con mental health condition called narcissism, narcissism. at that. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And I think it's as we, as we are the church, we're trying to figure out and navigate through this thing, um, mental health. You know, it's it's important, and we're gonna have Tierney next on episode two talking about what is mental health. But mm -hmm. it's it's important to see how we can merge the two, and so that's what Renewing Minds is trying to do. We're trying to to and say, hey, we're the church, and mental health is real, and we want some biblical, but we want some we also want some professional um, education on how we can address mm -hmm. health in the church. Um, so as you bring that up. Tell me, how do you, in the church, there's always been this thing called, um, you know, we talk about like, not this thing called, but demon possession and stuff like that. So yeah. what do you think, just this whole stigma of mental health, how do you think the church was able to adopt that? And, yeah. I mean, I think the church has done a great job with recognizing mental health and mental illness and things like that as real, are real. But what do you think? What do you think that idea of, you know, mental health? Yeah. Like well, I want to preface this with one thing first, because I, I get it all the time with therapists is that, um, you know, um, and I grew up in this view too, where you talk about demons and you just mm -hmm. need to be, but that's a minority view, especially in America. Mm -hmm. So most people who grew up in the church don't believe in demons and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about white brothers, so ordained the PCA were majority white, Mm -hmm. educated clergy you have to have a master's level seminary degree to get ordained mm -hmm. so one i just want to clarify that though for a lot of people minorities that's their experience of that a lot of people don't have that experience but i think um but and, and i and and i do believe obviously in, in in the reality of evil and even personify evil um but i believe in mental health and i think it started for me as um I never grew up opposed to mental health. I just didn't have a paradigm for it. And I thought, unless you're crazy to the point of being needed in a straitjacket, you don't need a mm -hmm. therapist. You, you could figure it out on your own or read a book or talk to your pastor. And, and so for me, I first went, um, I first went to a professional therapist while um, in Durham, North Carolina. I want to say I was about 27 at the time. And uh, three of us planted a church together as a team. And there were a lot of attention with our leadership team and we went to both group and individual counseling. 
and um, pastors are hard to counsel because we know the Bible and we can use it to justify it. And so I went mm-hmm. to a specialist counselor who, who specializes in counseling um, um, pastors and, and he has a PhD in both theology and in counseling, but not the same guys, the book I referred to. Mm-hmm. And it was so helpful. And so I think um, a lot of times, I think we know that there are issues there and historically because we didn't have the term or knowledge or how to talk about like a person being bipolar or something, we say, oh, they're just a little slow. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, you yeah. know, and, yeah. or a schizophrenic, oh, they got a demon. Cause I mean, yeah. without that technology and paradigm, you know, it's not normal. So you have to bring some association. So right. some of that you could understand. And then I think now that we have the, the language, it, is, it has changed and, and, and there's a place both for, for the church and it's both a place um, for, for, for Christian mental health therapy. And so for me personally, I, I don't pretend to be a therapist and sometimes it's dangerous when we have backdoor therapists, but also think dangerous when we have backdoor uh, pastors and theologians yeah. too. And so I, I get it the other side because I know they get it. Therapists mm-hmm. kind of push back, but sometimes therapists push bad theology too. So I hope therapists and pastors, Christian therapists and pastors get more united. But yeah. but I also know that as a pastor, I carry a, a certain authority and, and to um, break the stigma, sometimes I have to encourage people to go to counseling. And so I try to keep a list of, of, of counselors related to special issues and I, I share the details of my own story and need for and how I've been helped by counseling. But I'm always looking to refer people as as needed to a counselor. I, I'll do pastoral counseling. There's some situations that I'm sufficient enough to handle, like premarital counseling. But there's some you just need to go to a professional. And so, what we try to, what I've tried to do is be ready to refer and also help with the cost. Because yeah. outside of the stigma, the other aspect is the financial aspect, especially mm. if you don't grow up wealthy. So, um, um, and so we try to do both and. You know, obviously we're going to partner with YouTube and we have a therapist at our church. And yeah. one thing we're trying to do is break the stigma and make it more accessible, both in terms of taking away the negative stereo, um, the negative um, view of it, as well as supplementing some of the financial costs associated with count, with therapy. Yeah. And I and I really appreciate New Song for just everything that you all do. We're going to have Debbie on here. That's I know that's who you're talking about, Debbie. Mm-hmm. She's definitely going to be on here talking about um, a few different things. But, Bonnie, tell me now, what's the concept of planting a church? As we're talking about what the church is, tell me a little bit about planting a church. Yeah, planting a church, and, you know, there's some good and bad to it, but it's about intentionally uh, feeling called and as an individual and then hopefully with a team and with the blessing of others to start, intentionally start a church in a particular Mm -hmm. area. And so for us, for me, with West Palm being home, um, there are great churches in the area, so I'm not trying to disrespect churches, but I thought there was need for a more diverse church that's focused on the city, that tried to have a lot of people who live east of 95, because, mm-hmm. you know, in, in our area, if you're middle class, you likely live west of 95, unless you're right. super rich, then you stay by the beach or the intercoastal. Um, and so... To have a, I saw a need for a diverse church, um, people that stayed in um, East of 95 with people both of means and poor people because we both need each other and can mm-hmm. help one another. 
um, and, and to be really community driven and focused. And so um, for me, that looked like I had to go through an assessment um, mm. through a denomination to be assessed. Do I have the gifts to, because it's a different set of gifts to start a church from scratch than the pastor mm-hmm. at an existing church. Um, obviously my education, I had to get my education and such. And then, um, after that, you have a church kind of sponsor you and mentor you. And so I was on staff at a church called True Point Church that I used to meet at Bear Lakes Middle in the Marriott. And now it meets at the Rosarian Academy, downtown West Palm. And, and, um, and, and I, I I I served on the staff there for two years and, my first year, I was serving more in there. My second year, I did some stuff there, but I was focused on um, laying the groundwork to plant new songs. So, mm-hmm. so that's kind of and shortly what it looks like. Yeah. Now here's now here's a topic or a question that I have. Most people probably don't even go to church, but have had experiences in the church where they feel like the church, the body of Christ, um, robs people and always won't people money and they always asking for money and I know there's a thing called tithes and offerings so uh-huh. say to those people who are constantly tearing down you know the church how do you explain to them yeah well I mean obviously that's broad and I think obviously we have churches that have done good and bad so right. some of those complaints are legit and then some of them are I mean I think and so we just try to be a church to show we're committed to the community so uh, people who live in our focus area can come and receive financial assistance from us, whether they attend or not. Now, obviously mm-hmm. we help our members and as anyone, you focus on your family first. So we prioritize our members, but um, if we have the resources, someone live in our neighborhood and need help, we do it. I had a single mother who car broke down and really needed it. And we were able to help pay for the cost. So stuff like that. We call it our mercy of deaconate ministry. Um, and, and I think all you could do is acknowledge where it's been short, but also show how you're doing different. So I always yeah. try to show people and remind our people that, you know, we want our, uh, the goal is to get as much resources of our resources as possible outside of the church into the community. And if we ever own the building, if we own the building, a, a a full-time lease to build. And I would say for, for me to go ahead, you got to show me how we're going to use this building Monday through Saturday and not just Sunday. So I think right. a lot of people, they see these big church buildings that are empty most of the week, except for maybe Bible study night and Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And other than that, you know, they don't see anyone, but they have to deal with the frustration of can't parking on Sunday. So I think, yeah. uh, but you don't get the civil rights movement about the church neither. So, so um, it's good and bad. I think you just want to try to change the narrative and let people see us out in the community, let people see us supporting those out in the community. So helping if you start a nonprofit that's meeting a need in our community, even if we can't start it, we want to say, hey, as we have funds, we'll help support y'all. We'll give y'all $100 a month to make y'all effective at what you do, whatever that looks like. So so I think it's a both fan and partnering with other organizations because I think it takes more than one church, more than one nonprofit, more mm-hmm. than one anything to reach a neighborhood or a city. Right. So, yeah. What are your thoughts on, or what's the, what do you think the, the important reason for a church doing outreach? Like, yeah, it's a two-fold purpose, and that's sometimes what we miss. Obviously, we want people to come to know Jesus, so that evangelistic, if we can, 
say, hey, we're doing this because we believe in Jesus. We want to talk about the gospel and how you need a savior, you know, whether you want to use evangelism explosion, the four spiritual laws or whatever, there are different types of mm-hmm. outlines of ways sharing the gospel, but also as a witness to the people in the city who may not believe to say, hey, we as a church care about these things because God cares about these things. Mm-hmm. So we care about um, black lives being unnecessarily uh, taken by a police officer because God cares about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and God cares about the police too. It's not an either, it's not an if or but, but there is, but there is a, a, a need to historically to somewhat emphasize black lives, but we want to show whatever, whether it's education, public education, that we care because God cares. And so mm-hmm. what we want to be intentional and realize a lot of churches, because most of the people are well off, they just homeschool or send their kids to Christian school. Right. And what we want to say, one, I, I can't dictate you how you raise your kids, but what we want to say that even if um, our kids may not be in the public school system, God cares about your kids too. So we want to care about public schools and how can we, how can we use our citizenship as you, in the U.S. and in the church and our resources to give those kids as much opportunity to succeed as our own, you know? Mm. So, so I think, I think, I think, so that's the other part. Yeah. We want people to get saved and we want to evangelize, but we also want people to see God cares about these things and his kingdom cares about these things, just like God cares about mental health. And so we want to help you have tools and resources to have mental health because God cares about, your mental health as much as he cares about your soul right. you know as james said don't don't send a person away hungry and mm. and then ask why they can't why they can't stay in church i'm i'm making up something up or right. if a person can't eat how can how can we help them live a healthy life when they don't have access to basic nutrition yeah you know and so god cares about both so so mm. it's two it's a both and so we want to evangelize but we also want to just do good because God calls us. He said we were created for good works in Ephesians right. 2. And we don't never want to put a string attached on people. Sometimes some ministries are manipulative saying, hey, we'll help you out if you want to accept Jesus. We mm-hmm. never want to put the condition. We always want to preach the gospel and say we do it because of Jesus, but we don't want to make that a condition of why we help you. Right? So mm-hmm. I've helped people who are Muslim. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, well, we're only going to help you if you convert. I'm going to of course we help you because we believe in Christ, but I want you to know we're going to help you regardless of whether you change your view or not. Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, and the last thing I want to kind of address, why do you think it's important for, if, a, if somebody's a Christian, why do you think it's important for them to be connected to their local body, to their local worship, to the local church? Why do you think it's important? Well, I think one, um, just the Bible says it's not good that man should be alone. And it's not just marriage. Everyone needs community. Everyone knows how important it is to have social capital. Right. And you never know. You, you may want to go to a college and want your child to go to college and don't realize someone in your church sits on the board of that college. Mm. And then they know you, uh, then they find out you trying to go to this college and they sit on the board and they can open up doors for you. So I think even just pragmatically, the, their resources um in the church that that can help you um and not just in that way also spiritually also dealing with unhealthy patterns in life and so Mm. uh, i think all of us the more we can be around positive people that care for us the more the more we can grow and so i 
I, I think that's why it's important to be connected with a church and because you have something to contribute, not only what you can receive, but what you can give. And, yeah. you, you know, when you have to give to someone, um, it changes how you live. And so Absolutely. I know me, you mentioned tithe. Now I do give to the church, obviously I pastor, but a certain of my, my personal budget is just helping people out because I mentor a lot of young men mm. and, and sometimes they want to go out to eat or want to hang out. And so when I create my budget, I create my personal budget, I create room so I could take out that young man I mentor. I could take some young men and go bowling or whatever. And so I think, mm. um, I think, I think, I think all those reasons is, is, is why people should go to church as well as growing your faith. And, yeah. and, um, and, and we all need to be challenged and pushed to, to, mm -hmm. to move, to live beyond just ourselves. Yeah. That's good, Ronnie. I, I really appreciate just kind of your wisdom, just you taking some time out to just kind of educate us about the church. I mean, you gave us some, some history. You gave us a history lesson today. So I'm, I'm oh. glad for that. Is there any last comment or statement you want to make? Or? I think, thank you for what you're doing. And I have to have you on talk about mental health. So I think it's needed. I think it's a, in general in our community, it's good to see the movement for mental health um, and, and the church. We want to help facilitate that and we want to serve people like you because it's needed. And, you know, I can't pass the well and be a therapist. So right. thank you for y'all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm, th I'm grateful for the therapist that's out there that's doing their thing, the, the Debbie's. So I'm excited to have Debbie here and, uh -huh continue to connect with new song and see what we can see what more we can do and, stuff. and i would say pray for for your pastors too to you and people i think the yeah. the mental health uh the mental health directory with pastors is forgotten and sometimes yeah. even we're frustrated suicide depression among pastors is rising yeah and, and, and with that uh pornography addiction mm -hmm. of pastors is rising so mm -hmm. it's a serious thing and so i would say pray for your pastors and be mindful because they feel so lonely, like they can't share with anyone mm. um, what they're going through. And I, I mean, just personal friends of mine who I pastor and mm. me going through seasons of loneliness. And I mean, so many even high profile pastors have taken their own lives. Yeah, uh, You know, it's been about three or four in the past few months. And I'm talking about mega church pastors who you mm -hmm. think have it all together. And mm -hmm. so, so I would say be mindful of that too. I, so it's a hard place to be in. And I think it's the same way for therapists. It could be very lonely. Yeah in those things and who who cares for the ones who's caring for everyone else absolutely you know? so yeah that's good ronnie we well, we ronnie we definitely got something prepared some type of group something for pastors only because mm -hmm. of the challenges we know the stress that you mm -hmm. face so um i'll keep you updated and i keep new song up mm -hmm. on everything like that um thank you for being here again listening thank you Listeners, I hope I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ronnie Perry, pastor of New Song Church here in West Palm Beach. Um, we're going to make sure that we keep you updated on just kind of where they are located once we get back to meeting face to face. Did you say where y'all will be? I know you, you was. At uh, we're still talking with some places. Nothing final okay. yet. Okay. But when well, it comes well, official, I'll definitely put the word out. Thank you. So we'll keep everybody updated. Thank you and thank you again for listening in. Also, if you want to partner with Renew Amaz, please, please, please don't be afraid to donate financially. Um, I always say if you invest financially, that means you have now become a partner of what we're doing here in Renew Amaz. So thank you again um, and stay blessed.